So you can all be seated. Um, I'm just going to read our scripture from this morning. Uh, It's Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Amen. Thanks, Han. So a couple of housekeeping things before we get started. There are some more uh, bulletin ministry guides in the back. You're not being rude to jump up and grab one. It might help you follow along. And there's some pins back there. Last week, I took a little inventory. How many of you are holding a copy of the Bible in your hands? How many of you use smart devices? And I'll be candid. I was a little surprised that it was like 80% of you are using your electronic devices as opposed to holding a book in your hand. Now, I, I'm okay with that. I really, really am. I, this, the struggle is, you know, I know that means you don't have a pen. You're not going to write something down. <laughs> and you, I mean, I, I'm just trying to make sure I'm communicating effectively for where you are and what you're thinking. So if you have your electronic device, fine. If you'd like to follow along, writing it down might help you remember it. You can throw the paper away later, all right? But it just might help you as you follow along in what we're doing. If you're a guest or if maybe you've had to miss a few weeks, we're in a series on uh, discipleship. And this has been a real joy for me for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is uh, Johnny planned it. And I said, come on, Johnny, figure this out. You just planned the whole series. We'll get out our calendars at some point, and you tell me when to preach. And uh, we've turned it around that way for, the, for years. I've been the one doing that, trying to hand off the right Sundays to him. And he's done an incredible job planning this series and uh, plugging in when he couldn't necessarily be here to preach. Now you say, well, Johnny's here today. Well, let me explain that to you. He just got back off vacation, and it's not fair to a pastor to ask him to spend his whole vacation preparing the sermon for Sunday. So that's why we're doing it this way, and I look forward to uh, him stepping back up next week and continuing to lead in this, I believe, God-given-to-him design of talking about what it means to be a true disciple and how we are followers of Christ. Now, today, you've seen the text already that you you heard from Anne, and we're going to be looking at this. But I I thought, you know, if you came in today and you saw part two, you might go, well, okay, I guess I missed part one, so now I'll just, you know, endure part two and move on. (laughs) But I want to give you context. I promise this is not the whole message, uh, but I want you just to see what we did last week when we looked at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scriptures given by God, breathed out by God, inspired by God, and it's profitable. It's profitable. It provides for us four things. First, teaching to show us how to get on the path. It's also profitable for rebuke to tell us stop. You're going the wrong way. And the word of God then corrects us and shows us how to get back on the path of walking with God, understanding how to daily depend on his grace in our lives, and then training in righteousness, how to walk with God in all the daily situations. And the word of God does that in us. And we said there's a reason why. So that the man, the woman of God, the follower of Christ, 
may be complete, having everything they need to do good works. So we don't work so that we can earn our salvation, but as God is at work in us, he is willing and choosing and directing us to demonstrate the very life of Christ through us. So that was part one. Some of you may say, took you a whole lot longer to say that last week. Well, okay, <laughs> I get it. But that's, now come on, laugh. You are there, right? Do I need to always tell you when it's a joke? We'll hold up a sign, laugh, okay? So now, now we, go to, we go to part two, all right? And in part two, what we're trying to do today is say, okay then, so how, as a disciple, how do I build my daily life on God's word? So, this morning, Lynn and I were comparing notes about how the service is designed. He said, is it still Hebrews 4.12? I said, yeah, and about 50 other verses. But that's what we're doing. We're trying to figure out how the sword of the Spirit works in us and how we welcome the Word into our lives so that we might walk with God. A friend of mine quoted a, a survey this to me over the weekend. I've been on a little retreat with some guys and, and he said that walk through the Bible, I looked online, couldn't find it yet. But he said walk through the Bible had done a survey of what happens when you hear God's word on Sunday morning often. And that's the only time you interact with God's word. Comparing that to those who have found a way to include God's word in their daily life and the difference in those two. And it was just an amazing difference of once every seven days maybe kind of sort of and finding a way to build God's word in your life every day so that's what I'm challenging you to do today I'm challenging you hopefully in a few practical ways how to build God's word into your daily life now if I'm the only one that talks and you don't interact with God through his word we fail miserably so would you pray with me now and ask God to speak to you in a personal way through his word. Let's pray together. Father, as we open this book with great reverence, we know that you've given it to us. And we ask you now to take this word of God that is quick and living and active and effective. We ask that you would use your word to speak to our hearts in personal ways and to give us a clear sense of a next step in following Jesus. So now we pray, Lord God, speak to my heart. Would you pray that out loud with me? Lord God, speak to my heart. And Lord, as you speak, we'll know that it's you. So we listen now for your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to point out four things of God's word in my daily life and then we're going to give you five ways to try to build it into your life so first God's word in my daily life God's word is given to us for fellowship now just to be real candid with you I don't hear the word fellowship really often these days uh, I used to hear it all the time growing up in church life but I'm not hearing it mentioned all that often and so I had to stop and think Okay, so do I need to go to some more modern translations and figure out how to use the right word? I mean, people talk about community, but they don't necessarily talk about fellowship. So I started flipping around in my Bible. I tried to check on some more 
uh, current translations in, in online, and I found we don't need to change it. It is genuinely a Bible word. So I know what year this is. I know we're not in, you know, the last century. But look, don't let modernizing steal from you some essential truth from the Word of God. Fellowship. What is fellowship? Well, between two people, it's, it, it is a sense of community. Okay, it's a commonality. I have fellowship with you, and, and we, we share oneness in the things of God. We, we know we're in the family of God. There's, a, there's just no way to describe it when you, you feel somebody loves you, you feel somebody gets you. I mean, it's just fellowship. I just experienced a few days with some of my closest friends and incredible fellowship with these guys. But what about fellowship with God? What is that? How does that work? Well, with fellowship with someone else, you know how it works. To be in fellowship with someone means you enjoy hanging out with them, you enjoy talking to them. I mean, there's a connection going on. What does it mean to be in fellowship with God? You sense that he's with you, you're, you're talking to him, you're enjoying his presence, you're aware of his presence, you're in fellowship. I looked, I looked it up in, what, in 1 John chapter 1. It, it's talking about our fellowship is with the Father, and our fellowship is with each other. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And who is the one another? Me and you are one another, me and God. And I think the answer is probably yes, <laughs> okay? I mean, when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with the Father, and we have fellowship with each other. And so there's that sense of connecting. Probably the best way I can describe it, though, is in the negative. What is it like to be out of fellowship? It means you don't want to look at somebody. It means you don't want to be with somebody. It means you don't enjoy being around them. Fellowship is broken. For those of you married, have you ever sat in the front seat of your car and gone a few minutes or miles and didn't say a word to each other? And it wasn't because you didn't have something to talk about. It's because you talked about something that didn't work, all right? And somehow it was a breakdown. And, you, and there was a break in that fellowship. So you, you get that in the negative. Now let's put it in the positive. What's it like with it when it works and you're enjoying each other and you're delighting in each other? Please hear me. I, I looked back over when I preached something like this two and a half years ago and I, I didn't include this word fellowship in the list. And I thought, I've, I've got to put it first today because the way we have fellowship with God is in his word he said if you abide in me and my words abide in you if you abide in my word you're truly my disciple now we know a lot of people that can quote out of context the next verse and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free I mean, you, you don't even have to have anything biblical going on to hear people mention something like that, usually manipulating a situation with, with a quoting of a verse. But hey, let's make sure we see what Jesus said. He said, if you're in fellowship with me, if you're abiding in me, if you're, if you're depending on me, if you're trusting in me, then you'll know the truth. That's where it comes from. Abiding in, trusting in him. And that's when knowing what he's like and knowing what he likes sets you free. So, 
fellowship. The word of God is essential for fellowship. I, I, can, uh, I can talk about this five or ten more minutes at least, but if you'll all just kind of do your head like this, well, I know you got the first word, all right? So it's fe- some of you, please move on. <laughs> all right, fellowship, you got it? All right, here's the second word that I think we need to use to describe God's word in our daily life. It's food. God's word is food for us. I love it, and we have an experience this morning. We could, we could ask uh, Kristen to hold up the baby, and we could all go, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I love it when we've got a baby around, and we, we, we keep experiencing church growth by having more children, you know. And so, I mean, that's a great way to grow, okay. But there's such a clear example in Scripture of how the Word is like food, and I want to I explain to you a couple of instances, and they, and they have different applications. Here's the first one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, Like a newborn infant, long for the pure spiritual milk of the word, that you may grow into salvation. One of the ways you know you are a follower of Christ is because you're hungry for his word. One of the ways you know that you are in fellowship with Christ is because you're hungry for his word. And when your hunger's not there, just like for a baby, maybe something's wrong, okay? Maybe maybe something needs to be corrected. Long for the milk of the word. Why? So that you may grow by it. Listen to how the psalmist said it. It's more to be desired than gold, is much fine gold, sweeter than honey, drippings of the honeycomb. I don't know. You don't have to like honey to be a follower of Christ, <laughs> you know. But I, I love when, when uh, sometimes at breakfast or something I'll say, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this last little piece of toast. I don't really like jelly, but, man, I like honey. So if it's a biscuit or if it's a piece of toast, I want to get the honey. And I'll look at KK and Grin and say, I'm just being biblical. You know, just, just a little, just a little honey. The Bible talks about the sweetness of the word of God for the soul of the follower of Christ. And he's describing our relationship with God in and through his word as food. It's fellowship with the Father. It's food for our soul. But it also provides us an incredible sense of focus. The Word of God gives clarity and direction, just like it says in, in the Psalms, that it's the lamp unto my feet, but a light unto our path. But as we talk about the Word of God giving us focus, I want to show you another place in Scripture that it talks about the Word as food, but it's not quite as encouraging as that Peter passage was. And this time, it's far more challenging Listen to what Hebrews 5 says. About this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. First of all, that little dull of hearing encourages me a little bit as a pastor. Knowing that it's also, it's not always great of speaking, but sometimes it's dull of hearing. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's, you know, people just didn't listen, not because I couldn't make them listen, but something was going on in them, they didn't listen, okay? Kind of do your head like that. I mean, you you, you get it, right? The, The dull of hearing. But what does he say? He said, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you still need someone to teach you the basic principles. And, and the, in the original text, this is the ABCs, okay? You need someone just to back up and teach you the ABCs of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. In this occasion, 
It's not praising you for wanting milk like that baby that was hungry. It's rebuking me and you for the times when God has to just take us back just to simple in the very beginning of it because we're not willing to sink our roots deep and to grow in the meat of the word. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he's a child, he needs to grow up. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Catch these words. Discernment, distinguish. As the Word of God works in our life to give us food and and to give us fellowship with the Father, it gives us focus so that we can figure out what's going on. Probably no generation in America for, for a long time has faced the challenges that we face when it comes to being able to figure out what's right, what's wrong with discernment. I mean, nobody even wants you to say something's wrong. <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't fit cultural norms. So how in the world can you have a discernment to distinguish between good and evil? Well, the Word of God does that. And notice what it says. By the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice. I I love when you do Bible study and you try to get behind it. The word that's used here is gymnazo, where we get our word gymnasium. And it means you've learned how to lift the weights of practicing and exercising with your mind and in your heart what it's going to take for you to get the right focus to distinguish what is good and what is wrong, what is right, because you can discern. All discernment. Not everything needs to be said. There's a time, there's a place, there's a way. Can you discern has the word of God given you by doing the reps, by lifting the weights, where your mind and your heart has learned how to focus? We need to keep going. God's word in our daily life not only gives us fellowship with the Father, gives us food for nourishment in our soul, gives us focus to know what to do, but the word of God is given to help us fight. Now, you might say, well, can we, can we just talk about how to love each other, you know, and, and just do little kissy things and stuff like that? I mean, this fighting, that's just, that's a little harsh. Well, I didn't make this stuff up, all right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting scripture to you. <laughs> and, and the scripture knows that when it comes to the battle of your heart and the battle of your mind, it's a fight. I'll never forget the first time I heard one teacher said, you've got to learn how to fight for joy. I said, it seems weird. I mean, joy is supposed to be like, you know, happy stuff, you know? And why do I have to fight to be joyful? And the more I tried to understand what he was talking about is, I sing a hallelujah. I mean, this might be the time to stop and say, you sang that song at the wrong time. I'll come back up here and, and let's sing it again and learn how to fight for joy. How does the scripture say that? Well, we looked at it a moment ago that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
So the word of God is like a sword. And in this particular text, it talks about how it goes deeper than anything else can go. It goes deep inside of you to discern your thoughts and your intentions, to expose what's going on in your heart. And, and the word of God does that as he, God speaks to us through his word. Hebrews, not only a place to talk about it, Ephesians talked about how it's a sword. And all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. If you're going to look at the armor of God listed there in Ephesians 6, think about what this truth is saying, that the shield of faith, and where, how do you get that? You, you take the word of God and you learn how to, how to hold it up in every situation. And look what it says. It says we can extinguish. I thought, you know, if I really wanted to play on this, the other one said you got to distinguish. This one says you got to extinguish, all right? I mean, look at what it says. It says you've got to be able to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. What are the flaming darts of the evil one? It's that thought. Can't keep the bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair if you have any, all right? So think about how that works. It's that thought that you allow to Find a place, and look what it says. It's a flaming dart. When it lands, it begins to burn. It's that feeling. You ever had a feeling you say, I don't know why I feel that way? If your answer is no, then you're, you're lying, all right? And I'm telling you, we often have feelings we don't have a clue where they came from we don't have we don't know how they got there but just because we don't know where they came from and how they got there doesn't mean we let them stay there okay we have to learn through the word of God how to deal with that flaming dart and then it goes on to say and the helmet of salvation up here where you're thinking and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God the sword which is the word of God it's an offensive and a defensive thing going on as we learn how to build the Word of God into our life. So we're back to that question. As a disciple, how do I build my daily life on God's Word? How do I do that? Well, I want to mention five things, and I've got a pretty cool little way to help you remember them. It's not going to seem cool when I first tell you what to do, but it really is a, it's, it's a good little way to remember it. Trace your hand on your paper, all right? If, if it won't fit, then draw a smaller one, okay? Uh, put your hand down. You'll, the kids back there this morning probably could do something like this. I mean, you know, you think you're too, too old for it. All right, fine. But you can at least try to remember it then. If you look at your hand, and we're going to look at five things, and which finger they relate to is really kind of important, I think, all right? So if we want to look at these ways to build God's Word into our life, if you don't want to draw the hand, I'll give you a place to write five words, okay? So this will help you. I, I pray it will help you to build God's Word into your life. First, we hear the Word of God. We hear it. Now, I need to put a footnote on this. This is not original for me, okay? I think I got it from the Navigators. I'm trying to give credit where credit's due. But 
doesn't really matter as long as you know I'm not claiming to be clever then we, then we can keep going all right so hear the word of God now look at this if the Bible is like a sword and you're going to grip it with your little finger only how effective are you going to be in battle not going to take much to knock it out of your hand that's why it's a little discouraging to me to recognize that if you had to choose just one thing, hearing the scripture would not be enough. It's just not enough. I mean, you look at it throughout history. You look at it throughout global environments today. Hearing in a context like this with people sitting in theater-style chairs and a guy standing up front talking is not the only required method of doing this. We could be sitting in a circle in a living room. I, I'm not against house church. I just don't know that it's an effective way to see all the gifts at work. But there's a clear picture of getting together with some other believers and hearing the word of God. I love to hear the testimonies from around the world of people that were given uh, audio ways to put on their phone and in other places to listen to the scripture they, they don't have a bible that they can read they maybe can't read but they've been given the word of God and they're listening to it if you're building God's word into your life by listening to it regularly and daily hey this pastor applauds okay I mean if you want to get the bible and listen to it when you're in the car you know you can't really take too many notes and you know you, you sometimes can't always study a word but I mean hear the word of God Romans 10 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God so hearing the scripture is a great way to build it in our lives and for those of you who could draw this hand and have it memorized I could let you go ahead and say the next word is okay you're going to hear the word of God you're going to read the word of God Revelation 1 says it's a blessing to those who read this book but I'm just I'm taking that out of out of context of the revelation and I'm putting it in the context of the whole of the scripture. There's a blessing to read the word. Do you have a path that you follow to read the word? Do you have a pattern? The purpose of this sermon is not to make you feel guilty because you don't have the, you know, the clearest discipline in your life to do all these things. That's that's not the purpose of this. But I do think there's times to challenge each other. Hey, let's get a plan to read God's word. Back in January, I challenged you to read a chapter a day, five days a week, take, take the weekends off or catch up on the weekends, and figure out a way that you can read the entirety of the New Testament just reading one chapter every day just during the weekdays. You can, you can finish in a year. You say, well, I didn't do it. Okay, then start in July. <laughs> and read a chapter a day five days a week and you'll be finished in a year still a year okay find a way to read God's word and you know what happens when you find a way to read passages that you might not normally read because you're on some kind of reading plan you find that God slipped something into your Bible since the last time you read it well, not really but those of you who chuckle probably know what I'm talking about it's like I've never seen that I mean I know I've read this how, 
how did I miss that? Well, maybe that's not where you were last time you read it, and that's where you are this time you read it, and all of a sudden, boom. God takes his word, and in just reading it, says, you better stop for a second. There's a phrase, there's a word for you. Okay? Hear his word. Read his word. Trying to get a grip on it. Okay? What's the next one? Study his word. In Acts chapter 17, it talks about the Berean Christians, those who were from Berea, a town. And it says they were more noble than those of Thessalonica because they went home every day to search the scriptures to see if what they were being taught is true. Can I tell you there's nothing that delights a guy if he's really pastoring to shepherd the sheep and not just pastoring to entertain and get a grade, okay? But a pastor that's trying to shepherd the sheep, the greatest thing you can do to encourage him is take the scripture, go home, and study and see if what you've just been taught is true. If it's wrong, find a kind, gentle way to tell them. Who was it? Priscilla and Aquila, who called aside uh, the great Apollos, who was the great teacher. I mean, this guy was one of the most incredible public speakers ever. But he had not really heard the full gospel about Jesus dying and being raised from the dead. He didn't understand the implications of the raised Messiah. And after he'd been publicly just speaking and everybody just amazed at his speaking ability, this couple called him aside and said, now we need to explain a few things to you here. Let's, let's go just a little deeper in this part and help you develop that because this is the true unfolding of this message of Christ dying for our sins and being raised from the dead. Study the word. Find a way to study his word. Paul told Timothy to rightly divide the word of truth. To take the scripture, and Paul was using a, a tent-making term. I, I really believe he was saying, just like you cut the cloth and you sew the tent, learn how to cut the verses and make sure God's showing you how the Word of God fits together. How do you get that? You study. How many of you have ever heard the word Awana? Okay, Awana, program in church. You've heard it? Awana. How many of you know what the word Awana means? <laughs> That's right. Approved workmen are not ashamed. That's it. Why? Because they take the time to study now, I, I'm thankful that speaking of someone calling you aside and telling you to do it, Johnny kind of called me aside and said, you tell people they need to go get the blue letter Bible like they can just go out and buy one that's in blue letters and make sure they know what you're talking about. I said, uh, okay, let me make sure you know what I'm talking about when I say get the blue letter Bible. Okay, it's an app. It's a, it's a website where you can personally go and take things that people wish they'd had for generations before now and in one place, click, and all of the study tools have been postured for you so you can study right through any passage that's hard and get so much insight on what it means, doing an inductive study for yourself. Or you can be a babe who sips on milk and only hears the word. He can't handle the meat because you're not willing to put to practice and exercise your discernment 
and you're distinguishing of what is true, you, you refuse the reps. I'm, I'm just saying, we pray God speak to my heart, you decide. I'm telling you though, it's a clear pattern of scripture that growing believers not only hear the word, they read the word and they study the word. This one's gonna probably hit on you based on how old you are, you're gonna say, Man, I don't even know my phone number. How am I supposed to memorize the Word of God? Well, okay. But let me say, you can read something over and over and over again. You'll be surprised how you can hide God's Word in your heart and how the Word of God can be brought back to you at just the right time to challenge you and help you as you memorize His Word. One of the greatest things I think that ever happened to me in training was when I had teachers and pastors and people challenge me to memorize scripture I challenge you you say where do I start well would you like to go to the navigators topical memory system you look it up online you don't even have to buy it you can go and, and look and see where they've organized verses for Bible and prayer and worship and you can see the, the categorical verses that have been grouped together, and you can figure out one to memorize. In the old days, I'd say take a business card and write on the back of it. Now, I don't know if anybody even has a business card anymore, but you've seen an index card, all right? You can, you can take something small like that and write it on there, and, and throughout the day, pull it out of your pocket and look at it, and learn how to memorize God's Word, because the last word that, that I want you to put there on your hand is the word meditate. And the reason I said that the order is important, a moment ago I showed you trying to grip with your little fingers, not good. But here's another example of where the order is important. You can take your thumb and you can meditate on what you hear, meditate on what you read, meditate on what you study, meditate on what you memorize. Meditate on God's Word. What does it mean to meditate? Well, it's... It's a little gross when you use the uh, animal uh, example, but you do know that and it, cows kind of, they chew more than once, right? I mean, they, they, they keep knowing how to, well, you get the point. They, in digesting, they, they chew the food more than once. One time, then it kind of comes back and they chew it again, all right? That's kind of gross, but meditating is learning how to, Think about it again and think about it again and let it show you the path before you. So what have we said about building God's word into your life? To hear it, to read it, to study it, to memorize it, and to meditate it. Why? Because the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but there's divine power in God's word to destroy strongholds and difficult things in our life. I mentioned a moment ago being away on retreat with these guys for the weekend. One of the guys there told a story of something that's happened just in the last few years. And I can't quit thinking about this story. It's a story of three men, as best I recall, might have been four, but three men who were arrested for being followers of Christ. The country that they were in trumped up all kinds of 
weird charges, found, accused them of being spies and they were from another country so they, they just falsely accused them and put them in jail. And for years, for years, these men were in jail. And this friend of mine that was talking to me was saying how he had spent some time with one of those guys after he was released. And he said it was just amazing to listen to him talk about what happened when he was in jail. One of the things he said is he would get up every day in his small little solitary confinement and in a figure eight, he would walk 10,000 steps. I've got a phone that counts my steps. I've got plenty of opportunity, and I'm, I'm ashamed just listening to that, <laughs> all right? But he knew he had to stay in shape physically to have any hope to keep going. So he would walk 10,000 steps a day. But then my friend said, but the thing that impressed me the most was what he told me about what he did with his mind and what he did with his heart. He said he had memorized so many verses that he used the time to bring up the verses. Didn't have a Bible. Couldn't get one. But he had memorized so many verses that he would call up those verses in his mind and he would call up songs that he had memorized. I'm looking at my phone here because as I was thinking about this illustration on the way here today, I thought about a song that Casting Crown sang a few years ago. And the chorus of it goes like this. The voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. As this brother was recounting his time in jail, he said every time he would sing, they would come in and beat him. So he tried to remember to not sing out loud. But sometimes just going over the verses maybe walking in the figure eight of his 10,000 steps, he would find this song that he memorized and it would just come out of his mouth and he'd get beaten again. But he said there's nothing like songs and scripture in the tough moments of life. And I thought, boy, how does that fit of what I'm trying to share this morning? I just want to plead with you to find ways in your daily life to have the scripture in your life and the song of joy somehow making its way through your life into your worship of God. So, simple next step. What is it? I don't know. You're the one that prayed, Lord God, speak to my heart. <laughs> Did, is there anything maybe that came from God, not from this preacher? Okay, is there anything maybe we saw in God's word that you just go, 
Need to do that. How would you fill it in the blank? I need to take the next step of you decide. But probably it's going to be along the pathway of finding how you can take God's word, hide it in your heart, and find a way to sing back a song to him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for taking your word today and making it personal to our lives. And now, Lord, as we move from this time to a time of praying and worshiping and acknowledging that your word is true and right and we need it, I pray now that even in the singing of this song, we would purpose in our hearts to take the next step in following you. In Jesus' name we pray.